Excellent. Val. What can we do for you tonight? Anything? So begin a uh, deep uh, study of generosity. The uh, uh, royal road to perfection. Sure. Considering the matrix this afternoon, I was wondering if you might give an example of where I got stumped myself. Uh, for energy, energy. Sure. Uh, one is, one is uh, if you want, relative, and one is uh, extraordinary transcendental. One is with clinging, one is with partial seeing, one is uh, full expression. So I'll give an example. Uh, lots of energy to get things done, but no, uh, and, 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 and uh, perhaps meditation, uh, perhaps good works for people, these kinds of things, but um, it's not uh, targeted to uh, liberation and awakeness. In other words, it's, 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 so this is, this is something to always consider about these, these uh, uh, parami. Except for, except for the last one. Okay? That's different. That stands in a class, if you wish, by itself. It doesn't have to, but it does. can't, can. Uh, there is a, if you want, a base quality of each of the parami, of each of the first five. There is a more superior quality, and then a transcendentalizing quality. So at the base level, uh, energy would be, you'd say, that person has so much energy, they can go from morning till night like an ever-ready ever ready bunny. Yes? Do, 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 do. And they go and they go and they go. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Is it? Yeah, I wish I had that too. I could go all day. Okay, fine. It's good. Maybe a good quality. But it may actually be based in neuroticism or based in unwholesome purpose or based in uh, expanding life and you know all kinds of things like this or no go no go where ism and at another level it's actually doing good works it's actually really helping beings all that energy expenditure and then another level it's about supporting and the energy to support maintain uh, foster cultivate the awake mind and the awake mind of compassion you see? So, energy with energy, generosity with generosity, ethics with ethics, ethics with oomph. You could do it like this generosity with oomph, energy with oomph. So, the double up is the, is the oomph. oomph. Oomph factor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Elevating, elevating, ele- elevating, elevating, elevating. For instance, even in, in uh, wisdom, uh, the development of wisdom, unfolding of wisdom can be. Uh, to some degree, a quality of um, knowing, but then you also need a um, unspeakable, unsurpassable um, primordial knowing. Are they ultimately different? Not really, but they as flavors and qualities, yes. 
And then we get into the five, the four, the four Buddha activities, the five Buddha wisdoms, all these expressions of wisdom activity, which grow and grow and grow and grow. So I'll give you an example. Uh, wisdom and wisdom. Wisdom with wisdom. Wisdom can be, for instance, the one of the jnanas, one of the knowings. For instance, discovering, if you wish, the terrifying nature of the formations and how they actually imprison beings. There's a good insight to have. The nature of suffering. Right? Mind clings to objects. Right? It clings. This is good. This would be a really good. And my mind clings. Uh, good, good, good insight, yes? But it's not fast. But it's darn good. And it goes uh, away towards freedom and liberation for that being. But maybe not for other beings. And maybe not for the scope of non-conceptual uh, freedom. Make sense? So, this is... This is uh, This is something that's lovely. Once you receive instructions like this or uh, pointing out to um, the subtleties, then you go look for it. And maybe you only need to do it for half a day or a little bit in the day before it, it really sinks in, if you're quick. Maybe not three days, a month, ten years, but um, hopefully not. But for those that are fair, you know, fairly fast, you just, just uh, work with it a bit and then, then you can let it go. But it all depends. You can, that's something you could ask me, but it might be worthwhile if you discover this is important is to just say um, patiga or uh, pushing away. This is, this is a meditating on permanence, but I'm actually not really in it. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've created a wall, which is neutrality or, or upeka, which is actually pushing away the experience of impermanence, but I'm meditating on permanence. It's all out there. Right? Or it's in here, but it's like looking distantly. You mean? It's like, yes, I'm having I'm having experiences of impermanence. But it's almost like somebody else is having experiences. It's not in the mind it's not really in the mind. Okay? So yeah, you can use that. Use it like a, a like a sword, uh, like a spear to cut through uh, uh, deeper and deeper and deeper and go, what's that mind really doing? Is it welcoming? Is it pushing away? Is it loving? Is it uh, full of um, rejection, subtle rejection? Yeah. And then let it go. Let it go. It's a big one, by the way, because you might not be very difficult to spot the re- rejection mind uh, when it feels like things are so close at hand. That's why I teach to give um, people more flavor, flavor possibilities, which is discriminating awareness. Discrimination. What is that mind really up to? Well, mind. 
what is that consciousness really up to? It appears like this, but actually it has that flavor. So you've, I, most of you have uh, perhaps read or looked at most of the section on generosity, yes? And you see how many flavors of generosity there are. Is that something? There's people that have given us a lot of consideration and a lot of contemplation and very wise beings who've, who've explored what are the downfalls of generosity and what are its positive qualities. In the same way, uh, beings spend tremendous amounts of time studying the mind, studying states of mind and going, what's, the, what's that consciousness really up to? Pushes away. Distances itself. Easy to do. So, give it a day. You feel how long it's then. You can actually, if you see it enough, let it go. Something else will come along to study. That's good. You'll, then you'll spot it. And then, uh, as, as time goes on, you'll spot it automatically. Just, oh, I know that. That pushing away mind. Uh, under, uh, it, it's, it's actually anxiety and fear. Pushes away. Any others? Is that okay? Yeah. Good. What do you think, Raphael? Do you think, think they need a can tell. They, maybe a lot of sun today and heat. Uh, maybe a trip to the hummingbird tonight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's probably a dance on tonight. Eh? Yeah, dance at the South Hall. Is that right? Dance at the South Hall tonight? Big weekend. Is this a big weekend? Oh, that's right. August. It's the August. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm, you could. You could. You could. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. <laughs> Chapter 12, Perfection of Generosity. Six subjects describe the details of action bodhicitta. The summary, reflection on the faults and virtues, definition, classification, characteristics of each classification, increase perfection and result. These seven comprise the perfection of generosity. Number one, reflection on the faults and virtues. Those who have not practiced generosity will always suffer from poverty and usually will be reborn as a hungry ghost. That, that really means uh, not, not practicing generosity, being an ungenerous person, ungenerous person, really ungenerous person. Even if reborn as a human and so forth, they will suffer from poverty and lack of necessities. So no matter how hard they try, they just cannot accumulate. So even if you don't believe in rebirth, and you go, okay, I don't buy that. I don't buy that, that, that cause, and that, that's that, that kind of formula, uh, which I don't mind if you do, that's fine. You, or you can just take it in um, abeyance if you wish. But you can see this in a life uh, of, being, of, of, of humans that short-circuit themselves, short-circuit themselves continuously from uh, exposing themselves to riches and uh, enriching themselves, not taking opportunities this way, whether it's money, wealth, uh, art, uh, explorations, trips, you, you see? And, and really this is the impoverishment of the mind because they're just not generous to themselves and actually they're not generous to other beings. So, so you actually see this as an underlying strata in, in a person. 
and a lack of necessities. No matter how hard they try, they really can't get it together to do a retreat. Why? It's just impoverished. The mind is an impoverished mind. It doesn't attract uh, support to it because it doesn't give support. Yes, but I, but I give to the Red Cross. Yes, but I gave to my children. But you'll see, as you'll see, that may be very selfish giving. It might be tied up in very neurotic reasons. Yeah. The condensed perfection of Wisdom Sutra says, quote, the miserly will be born in the hungry ghost realm. In case they are born human, at that time they will suffer from poverty. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute. Aren't there people that are farmers or people that are uh, doing various good things but they don't have any money. But they may be wealthy. They may be rich. They may feel very, very rich in their lives. Yeah? So uh, watch what this word means. They may have a very, very, very rich, wealthy life even though they don't have a large bank account. Very, very rich, beautiful uh, interior and exterior life even though they don't have a bank account. But I do sometimes get told things like this. I really want to do a retreat, so-and-so and so forth. And, so on, so on, so uh, and I go, good, 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 excellent, excellent, as I usually do, excellent. And then I, get, I wait for the but. But I don't have any money. So, so why don't you get some? Get some? Yeah, get some. But I don't work. <laughs> well, why don't you work? Work? So, so, in other words, it's an impossibility. Something's there. It goes, It's impossible. Or, or why don't you sell something? Really? It's like a foreign concept. So, so no merit. I'm a merit. If you want to do something, I, I'll tell you. I'll share a secret with you. Deep secret. I have found that those people that want to do something, they actually do do it. Isn't that amazing? They, they do do it. It's quite something. If they want to do it, they do it. Uh, but then there are, and then I understand, there are life situations that come up. That's understandable. People really want to do something. Uh, perhaps uh, suddenly it can happen. Ill health, that's not always just psychological and, uh, you know, but uh, ill health can come along, uh, family emergency, uh, econ economic situation. These can come along, right? They can. But then you'll see the person will make effort to do it the next time, the next opportunity. So I have, to, I have to look at this in a very big picture. What is poverty? What is wealth? What do they mean by riches? Necessities. The discourse on discipline says, the hungry ghost replied to Nawa Chowari, by the power of stinginess we did not practice any generosity, so we are here in the world of hungry ghosts. Of course, there are many, many humans uh, on this planet that are actually hungry ghosts. doesn't matter how much they feed themselves, they're never satisfied. And a lot of time, because their mouths are so small, they can't get anything in them anyways. So you can give them gifts and they can't get it. They, don't, they can't receive it, they can't take it in. If they take it in, they make a mess of it. Their, their mouths are like, going to try holes like this and try to stuff it in and it doesn't get in. So they're, they're, not, they're not expansive in their being. I feel for beings like that, but there are millions. 
Without the practice of generosity, we cannot benefit. And by the way, that's the most ideal thing for internet sales, is hungry ghosts. Because you always need something more. No matter what you've got, you're going to need a bigger television set. And if it's on sale, well, it's on sale. should get it. It's like it's on sale, so go get it. Without the practice of generosity, we cannot benefit others. You, if you could, Raphael, if you could write that one, that's a really, really important statement. Without the practice of generosity, we cannot benefit others, and so cannot achieve enlightenment. That, that line should be emblazoned on your heart, not your forehead, your heart. You see, you see what a tendency, a tendency can be. I've done this in my life. I, I share this with you. You read a statement like that, not particularly that one, but you read a statement, you go, oh yeah, they're using metaphor. They're using exaggeration. They don't really mean that. They mean it. He means it. The rural route to enlightenment for all beings is generosity, high level of generosity. Would you like me to read that again? Okay, up the board. Without the practice of generosity, comma, we cannot benefit others. And so, cannot achieve enlightenment. Why? Because enlightenment is great wealth. Enlightenment is extraordinary wealth. It's not just wealth for oneself, because then people go, oh, okay, you mean an enlightened person is full of wealth. No, they can be empowered. They can have no money. It means they have an abundance of wealth for countless beings. See? So unless you perfect that, uh, it, the, the enlightenment uh, doesn't come. It just doesn't come. It's, there's no way. It's not possible. not possible. It is said, quote, without the practice of generosity, one will have no wealth. So, without wealth, one cannot gather sentient beings. As a bodhisattva, one can't actually uh, have beings close to one's heart. One cannot support beings. Gather? Support. To say nothing of achieving enlightenment. On the other hand, one who practices generosity will have happiness through wealth in all his different lifetimes. The Condensed Perfection of Wisdom Sutra says, quote, the generosity of bodhisattvas cuts off rebirth as a hungry ghost. So there's, there's one factor. Stop being, you stop being a hungry ghost. Or as uh, Utila Wantasayado used to say, uh, you stop being a hungry goat. Goat. <laughs> it's, it's like lovely. Likewise, poverty and all the afflicting emotions are cut off. By acting well, one will achieve infinite wealth while in the bodhisattva's life. Infinite wealth. But may not be material wealth. It could be. Mind gets put to it. But it may not be material wealth. It could be spiritual wealth. It could be information wealth. All kinds of things. It could be health wealth. Uh, the specialty of the bodhisattva for 30, 40 years is about providing health and counseling and sustenance to beings, yes, uh, of a very high level. That's wealth. 
but they may not have much money for it. Also, the letter to a friend says, quote, one should practice generosity properly. There is no better relative, uh, relative than generosity. So listen to that. Practicing generosity properly. That's a, that's a, what does that mean? Where is it proper? So now you're going to give me. Now, so if I do this, uh, should, we, should I do it this way or that way? No, you have to get the principle, the essence of it. Properly, properly. Engaging in the middle way says, these beings desire happiness, and all human beings who are without wealth have no happiness. Now, you can have uh, people on this planet who are actually quite happy, who have very little money. And people who have wealth, absolutely miserable. So be, be careful of that statement. Uh, understand, it's wealth of many, many qualities. Knowing that wealth comes from generosity, Buddha spoke first of the practice of generosity. Again, one who practices generosity can benefit others. With generosity, one can gather trainees as a bodhisattva and then establish them in the precious dharma. That means one has, in this, in this case, they're referring to a bodhisattva that has enough wealth and sustenance to um, provide food, shelter, uh, and um, clothing, and so on to beings that want to be trainees but don't actually have funds. Yeah? They can't afford it. Important. With generosity, one can gather trainees and then establish them in the precious dharma. It is said, by the practice of generosity, one can fully mature sentient beings who are suffering. Well, there it is. That's it. It's a beautiful line, isn't it? Fully mature sentient beings. Fully mature. Not partially mature. So, the degree to which you have wealth, I mean, vast wealth, is also the degree to which you can mature beings because they come to you in all kinds of sizes, flavors, and conditioning. And to feed them, you know what I mean by feeding, yes? Feeding them at all levels. At all levels. Uh, you are going to have to be very rich. Otherwise, you can only mature certain beings. Because... You're only wealthy in one way. You're only uh, gifted in one way. But you want to be gifted, and you develop, you try in life to be gifted in, in, in many, many ways. Yeah? So you can feed many beings. So could be skill means? Skill means. It's called means. But it comes from generosity. Why? To develop skill means, you have to feed yourself. And you have to make yourself rich with knowledge, with discovery with mistakes, with uh, all kinds of foods at different levels so you can feed those back to people. Someone might come to you who really wants to be free and you go, they say, can you help me with this? Nope, don't think about that. Can you help me with this? Nope, don't think about this. Uh, how would I solve this life problem? I don't know. Could you recommend a book? Nope, don't know one. Could you? No. How about meditation? Oh yeah, meditation. 
I've got this meditation for you. See? That's not maybe not what they need. That maybe not nothing to do with what they need right now. That makes sense. So accumulate uh, great, great, great uh, wealth. By the practice of generosity, one can fully mature, fully mature, sentient beings who are suffering. Again, it is easier for one who has practiced generosity to achieve unsurpassable enlightenment. Easier, a lot easier. The Bodhisattva basket says, for those who practice generosity, Achievement of enlightenment is not difficult. And if you look at, for instance, the, uh, you may go, oh yeah, well, but but there are many, many um, uh, stories and examples in the lives of, of, of saints, uh, of beings that practiced tremendous generosity, who quite swiftly uh, attained liberation thereafter. And of course, one of the most famous is Milarepa, yes, who built buildings for his teacher, sweated, uh, got boils uh, over and over and over for many, many years uh, and uh, practiced uh, generosity, tremendous generosity. And uh, his teacher, Marpa, told him that if you had finished the last building, finished it, you would never have had to go on and meditate. The path was completed through, through this kind of guru yoga. The cloud of noble jewels, Sutra says, generosity is the enlightenment of the Bodhisattva. Let's put that one on. I'm being selective here, but here's, here's a good one too. Memorize. You know, this sort of things wonderful if you wanted to in this retreat, memorize something like that. Yeah. Generosity is, is the enlightenment of the Bodhisattva. Great generosity at all levels is an enlightened being. How so? Because great generosity is non-clinging, is none other than non-clinging awareness. That's why. When you cling, it's not generosity. When you don't cling and really free, you share freedom. You share loving kindness, you share joy, you share something. You share something, right? But when you cling, you might share, but it's a mass of clinging. So it's not, not really gener- generosity. So you can say, and also to be generous, you must trust. You have to give up and surrender. And if you can surrender, you know you've got nothing to lose. You don't even say, I know I have nothing to lose. You don't even say that. You just give. Why? You love beings. It's really, really straightforward. But when you're full of fear and you're paralyzed, then the, mind con- the being contracts and generosity is very low. Or generosity is very, very big, but it's corrupted generosity. So, there it is. Generosity is the enlightenment of the Bodhisattva. The high, the high principle. It's also why it comes number one. The householder, uh, Drak Shulchen, uh, requested sutra, alternately explains the virtues of generosity and the faults of not giving. This is, this is uh, actually, I'll read it from the other book. I'll, first of all, I'll read it from this, and then I'll read it from the other book. But. A thing which is, which is given is yours. 
It's now yours. Something's given to you is yours. Listen to the language of this. It's quite beautiful. Things left in the house are not yours. Because it's not a gift. This is, this is elevating gifts. Elevating gifts. Explain a minute. A thing which is given has essence. Things left in the house have no essence. Maybe potential, but it's in the house. It hasn't gone anywhere. No action. A thing which has been given need not be protected. Why? It's gone. You don't have to protect anymore. You don't have to hold on. It's gone. It's released. A thing which is given is free from fear. No holding. No holding. Things kept in the house are with fear. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful metaphor. If it's kept in the house, you have to protect it. You have to have some level of anxiety. Well, maybe not here on Galliano. We can you know, leave uh, uh, some doors open, some occasionally, maybe. You never know. But if you're, uh, you may be in some place where you're anxiety-ridden about breaking the enter, which does happen here from time to time. But you go, hmm. Of course, this is a metaphor for many things. A thing which is given is closer to enlightenment. Things left in the house go in the direction of the Maras. The practice of generosity will lead to vast wealth. Things left in the house do not bring much wealth. A thing which is given will bring inexhaustible wealth. Things kept in the house are exhaustible, and so forth. So, if you, in other words, say, say, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you, if you heap it up and you keep it, right? it's uh, corruptible. This may help some, a different, a diff, some different language. A gift really belongs to us and has intrinsic value because it's been given. It's a gift. It has intrinsic value because it's a gift. While something left in the house does not and has no intrinsic worth. It's a thing. Listen to the elevation of that which is given has intrinsic worth. That which is just laying around, maybe on the wall, has no intrinsic worth. The one must not, but the other should be guarded. And while the former must, be not, must not be feared for, the latter is a cause of anxiety. You don't have to worry about gifts, do you? It's given. It's done. Things given show the way to enlightenment, while those left in the house uh, lead to damnation, to Mara. Right? So in other words, if you cling to things, they don't have the power, they don't have the essential nature of the, of the great gift, of, of, of gifting, gifting of, of, of giving, of, do, of donation. So this is about hoarding uh, compared to uh, giving and receiving. You know? The anxiety about keeping things. 
The one turns into inexhaustible wealth while the other is soon exhausted. This is a principle of uh, everything that you have uh, of uh, worthy of gifts. Uh, make sure it gets uh, shared in some way. If you don't, if you can't do this naturally, practice. Practice. How are you going to share all your gifts? Going to hide them? Or are you going to find a way to use them for beings, joy and uh, education and uh, um, liberation? Number two, the essence of liberality, the essence of generosity is to bestow wealth with an unattached mind. I like these. These are like, these should be TM'd at the, at the end. Gampopa, TM, registered. The essence of generosity is to bestow wealth with an unattached mind. If this is hard to do for you, uh, then practice it lots. It's good. What do you have to lose? Your mind? It's only your mind, anyways. The essence of the essence of generosity is to bestow wealth with an unattached mind. Why? The enlightenment mind is unattached, but compassionate and loving. Three, the classification of generosity is threefold in respect of one, material goods, fearlessness, and the Dharma. The practice of giving wealth will stabilize others' bodies. You know what I mean by you know what he means by that? We'll stabilize, we'll support others' bodies, we'll support their health, we'll support their um, uh, we'll support the downgoing of their misery, support their uncomfortability and so on. Uh, it also gives fearlessness the fearlessness will stabilize others' lives. Right? Generosity of fearlessness, taking away beings' fear. Fear of illness, fear of death, fear of lack of food, fear of the darkness, fear of uh, not having a job, and so on and so on and so forth. Yes? Just removing it. Well, I, you know, I, I never find a job. Well, why don't you look there? Wow, there's a job. You mean I could? Yeah, you could. Uh, I don't seem to be able to grow vegetables in a garden to feed myself. Well, you know, here's a really good gardener. Why don't you ask them how to do it? That, you, know, you understand? So the fear is, I can't. You've heard these before, yes? I can't, I won't, I shouldn't. What's the other one? I will not. It's impossible. Never for me. Not in my lifetime. Not in yours. 
not in our society. Oh, come off it, or whatever. Or, or uh, yes, how would you like to meet someone who's a really good farmer and ask them some expertise or a chef or somebody? Yes. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. It's just, just so that the mind is too impoverished to even hear it. But removing fear is sometimes just a simple statement as, uh, here's how you do it. You could, uh, I did this, so can you. Here's how you do it. Oh, by the way, here's a road map. These cities, this city has no stores. This city has no opportunity. Here, here's a map and you go on this road and you go here and then here's an X where you find it. Oh, thank you. If I go here, I could get robbed. Yes, that's true. 0.25% of all people, you know, or something like that, or 0.005% of people get robbed. It'll be okay. Giving fearlessness will stabilize others' lives, and giving dharma stabilizes others' minds. Yeah? So it's uh, one thing to provide all the physical bases, but dharma stabilizes a mind. Why? It understands that, uh, it understands the world the exp- of, of appearances. Bewildering. It ends the bewilderment. Furthermore, the first two. Furthermore, the first two generosity practices establish others' happiness in this life. Giving dharma establishes their happiness hereafter. Well, excuse me. Uh, The giving of dharma uh, should help beings in this life, not just for the hereafter. Okay? Four, characteristics of each classification. A, giving wealth. Two topics describe the practice of giving wealth. One, impure giving, and two, pure giving, or transcendental giving. Yes. The first should be avoided, and the second should be practiced. Impure giving. And there's lots of shades of this. Impure giving. Furthermore, there are four subtopics under impure giving. A, impure motivation. B, impure materials. C, impure recipient. And D, impure method. You never, you might have never thought there's so much to this. Eh? It's just generosity. Eh? You practice. You go. You practice generosity, and you get better. You get better. You no, know, you see, uh, it's it's big. Because now we're going to study not just the minuta, the uh, the how beautiful this is as a practice. How it clears up so much. Impure motivation. There are wrong and inferior motivations. First, generosity with the wrong motivation is giving in order to harm others. Can you think of instances? Giving to harm another being. Well, a big one would be giving arms to another country. A donation of arms to uh, harm other beings. Yes, that would be uh, not very wholesome, would it? Defective machinery. Impure food, so on and so forth. 
wrong motivation. Uh, so take this as a sliding scale. I don't think there's anybody in the room who's an arms dealer and, and on a program from another government who gives to other governments to uh, cause harm. Yeah? But could you imagine giving something where the intention is a little bit dicey, you know, shaded, and it's, it appears as generosity but actually harms people? It's not... For instance, I can tell you from personal experience. Let me um, give you uh, something like a tent. And then you find out the tent leaks badly and has a problem. Or, or one time, let's give you an example, one time I was given a car to use. Wonderful gift. People were so generous. But I had to ask them if there was anything wrong with the car. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it's nothing much. Well, what is it? Well, when you go down the highway, it just stops. <laughs> so you mean like if I'm on the 401, it just stop? Yeah, it just stops sometimes. Or on the Don Valley, you know the Don Valley? Don Valley. Imagine that's why I asked the question. So if I'm on the Don Don Valley, and it stops, does it stop suddenly? Like do you get any No, just without warning. It, we don't know what it is. I think it's electrical. It just stops. So I'll be on the Don Valley, and it just stops. Yeah. What kind of mind does that as it gives a gift? You, you see? Yeah. And yet for them, they were being so generous. And they're lovely people. Just so lovely. Come on here, have our car. You know, we're going to go away for six months or something like that. Have our car. And of course, it was right there. They dropped it off. And, and I said, oh, by the way, anything I should know about your car? Mm. Yeah, you know, sometimes it stops. Just stops. We don't know why. And then I went in to find out. You know, I just asked them more questions. I found out, well, sure enough, I could just be driving on a major highway and it just stops. All power goes. You lose all power. They didn't think that was a problem. What do you think I did? I returned the car keys right there on the spot. That was definitely an action of generosity uh, to do harm, or potentially to do harm. Wrong motivation. Giving with desire or, uh, for fame in this life. So, some sort of fame. Acknowledgement. Uh, Pat today uh, watered the garden, and her name will be uh, put on a plaque uh, <laughs> in the front of the house. And a bronze, right? Could you see the bronze plaque is cast? It's Pat watered the flowers every night for a month or something like that, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody else, you know. So this is why we don't do this, yes? Because it's for the fame. Well, I, and then, then, then there's competition among donors. Well, I watered, I want my name above because I watered for six months. I did more. And I'm a very generous person, and I, I generated, I, 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 I donated, but I donated the plants. And, and so on, and so on, and so forth. Yes, but I don't. I donated the house. Yeah, I should. I should. I should receive a neon, a neon sign, large plaque in front, like they do in the government. You know, uh, dedicated by the minister of uh, the of agriculture on such and such a day, right? With a large, generous grant from the Canadian government, with the sign instead of the government, the sign of the party, 
which our, our particular, our particular uh, government in power has been caught out doing, which instead of putting the sign that's from the government, largest, it actually coming from that political party. Remember who to vote for in the next election. Yes? I don't think they ever took them down, though. Nobody enforced it. Not. Is it illegal? Not really, but it's unethical. But, you know, a little bit slimy, but let's leave it up. Does it ever happen? Temples. Temples. Whole temples built for fame of an emperor or a king or nobility or wealthy people. For sure. For sure, for sure. I mean, I grew up uh, in, in Toronto where uh, you walk into the, um, the Holy Blossom Synagogue, Jewish synagogue, on Bathurst Street, and there's plaques everywhere. Every chair, every pew has a plaque. Up and down these different things, there's plaques and they're like how much was don you know donors names and everywhere is just donors 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 plaques donors plaques donors plaques donors plaques, plaques. and all competing for what fame fame if they get really lucky they'll get put on the board of the Holy Blossom Temple because <laughs> they're really big donors and really big donors can attract other big donors that's how it works. And giving in competition with another competition, just to have one-upmanship, to to outcompete somebody. Yeah. So you see, this this is this has been going on for a long time. You know, they we want to correct this. So you think it's very pure back in the golden time of Dharma in Gampopa's day. Look at the stuff going on. It's been going on for thousands of years. Bodhisattvas should avoid these. Should avoid these three. The Bodhisattva Bhumi says. Now, you're going you're to laugh at this, and you laugh, laugh at these, and the, but are, you, are we so sure that sometimes our motivations aren't tainted without us knowing, or tainted with a slight flavor of competition, a, flight, a slight favor of fame and fortune and recognition, and so on, you see? And of course, maybe doing harm. The Bodhisattva Bhumi says, quote, Bodhisattvas should avoid giving an order to kill, fetter, punish, imprison, or banish others. And Bodhisattvas should not exercise generosity for fame and praise. And Bodhisattvas should not exercise generosity to compete with others. It was lovely to see Namjur Rinpoche as a bhikkhu, as a monk, uh, as a practice, a rarely acknowledged student's gifts much the consternation of students. Uh, teachers should really not, I do a bit, and he, he did occasionally, I do, just because it's, it's the West. But by tradition, uh, a bhikkhu does not, uh, you know, doesn't publicly acknowledge. Now, someone gave 10,000, and then uh, uh, this person is a donor, wonderful donor, gave 5,000, and this person, this, this is very improper. It's very, very, very improper. It is done in Buddhist circles. It's very improper activity. It should be thank you everybody for, for donating those that could afford five dollars and a sardine can, an empty sardine can, I'm just but a sardine <laughs> can. Thank you very much, and those that contributed uh, uh, forty or fifty thousand uh, dollars, thank you very much. You know, so so uh, be people giving 
to their means, yes? And other people not giving any money, but maybe donated their time, their expertise, their skills. So, uh, but, but even, you know, often Namjur Rinpoche wouldn't because of the clinging. Cut through it. If you're going to give, you're going to give. You're going to give at the highest level. Don't even, don't even feel you have to be acknowledged. Certainly wasn't around the household, I tell you. Because you didn't expect it. You just gave. Gave because you love giving. And you love supporting the Dharma, and you love supporting the teacher to teach. Inferior motivation is generosity motivated by a fear of poverty in the next life or desire to have the body and wealth of gods or humans. That is basically just impure motivation uh, to get something, right? Or to avoid something. If I give now, you may not think this way, but if I give a lot, I will escape rebirth in a lower realm. I'll, re- I'll escape being hungry. Now that's Eastern, and that's for sure, guaranteed. That's for real. The fear is in there. If I can give a lot, right, then nothing's going to happen to me in this life, and I'll have a wonderful, wealthy life. Don't think that there aren't millions of doing that every single day and practicing for that reason. They are. That's the reason. If I can be generous, I safeguard myself and my family in this life and and other lifetimes. And I heap up lots of merit. Both should be avoided by bodhisattvas. It is said bodhisattvas should not give with fear of poverty, impoverishment. A bodhisattva gives because if the mind is uh, pure or pure, purer, puritizing, come up with a new word, it is moving to purity. More and more purity. Try to come up with a word for that. Puritizing. Purifying? No. Well, purifying. How about that? Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. That's that's, that's, that's right. Language lady. Uh, If it's purifying, uh, then how would the universe stay static and one wouldn't have the filling up of the universe with other opportunities? You see what kind of impoverished mind? If I give away this, it will never be there ever again or nothing will be there ever again to give. Or I won't be ever able ever to get food because I've given away my food today. Yeah? Lack of trust. No? Lack of trust in the universe. It's impoverished. It doesn't understand how the universe works. It just doesn't comprehend. And a bodhisattva should not give to attain the state of Indra, a universal monarch, or Ishvara. These are very high guys. In other words, they shouldn't give because they feel by merit they'll eventually be reborn or be appointed as a king or a nobility or as a god, uh, these, these kinds of uh, states. B, 
I think any questions about that? That's pretty straightforward. Yes. So not you don't don't give. Come out of the uh, come out of the act of giving to receive something that's going to benefit you, but also because you're scared. You you know you give it, but you're you only give a half or a little bit because you're worried you may not have enough. But then at the same time, you may be giving to all kinds of people, so you only give twenty percent, twenty percent, twenty percent because you want to share it around. Or ten percent, ten percent, or five percent, five percent. That's kind of how I wake them up there. Or one percent, one percent, one percent. That's a lot, isn't it? One percent, or half percent, half percent. <laughs> You're very fortunate. I'm watching Seinfeld episodes right now, just to let you know. Impure materials. B. Impure materials. Bit. Other impure generosity practices to be avoided. Now, impure, I like this, impure generosity practices. If you're going to practice impure generosity practices knowingly, well, I guess they are. Isn't that something? I read these and go, well, I guess people were practicing, and they do today. When I kind of think about it, I go, wait a minute, I get to hear about this. I get to hear about people doing impure generosity practices. Some monks tell me these things. Different people talk to me and go, you know, did you hear about... What? Yeah, we were here and they did what? Yeah, can you believe it? Yeah, impure generosity. Other impure generosity practices be avoided are explained in the Bodhisattva Bhumis. In an abbreviated way, the meaning is to avoid impure material substances. A Bodhisattva should not give poison, fire, weapons, and so forth even if someone begs for them in order to harm oneself or others. In other words, avoiding all giving and acts of giving that will lead to the harm of other beings. Yeah? It's, like giving harm, it's like giving fire to somebody that can't handle fire. Giving matches they can't handle matches. Giving a propane tank and they don't know how to hook a propane tank up. Yes? It's like giving someone propane and you don't explain how the propane tank is hooked up. And lo and behold, there's a gas fire. Right? Doesn't make any sense. Or weapons. Or so forth. Even if someone begs for them in order to harm oneself or others. I remember Namjoon Rinpoche after coming back, uh, was it come back? Where was he coming from? Singapore. He'd been in Southeast Asia, Singapore on my boat. And I remember he arrived somewhere and he was hot to trot. He'd been visiting. He'd gone downtown Singapore and some other places and walked into some Buddhist temples just for the, you know, because he was walking down the street. I remember saying, you know, if I had it in me, if I was absolutely a good bodhisattva, I would have taken those temples down, shake them out. You know, they had gambling machines in the front to make money. Little, um, what are they called? Slot machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the slot, slot machines, or whatever the equivalent is, slot machines at the front to make money. Yeah. Isn't that generosity? Here's a good one. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, many years ago, who was a, uh, a very, very fine, accomplished sculptor got invited to a certain Buddhist country in Southeast Asia and was asked to carve a giant jade Buddha, the biggest jade Buddha ever made. 
because it's a specialty. So they quarried it from Canada, it was shipped over to a, a monastery, and uh, he was asked to, to um, carve it. And as he started carving, he noticed that every once in a while monks were below, catching water. And they were going off and selling that water as holy water. This is this, this kind of thing. So he, he quit. After a while, he said, that's not okay. This is the wrong motivation. There's wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. I thought I was doing something pure. Carving a Buddha figure for monks and for lay people to you know, inspire them with the Buddha. And here is basically, I realize, I'm, I'm being used for all kinds of devious matters. So, the precious jewel Garland says, quote, If that which helps is poison, then poison should be given. That must have landed, or something landed. Beautiful compassion, eh? If, if, if that which helps is poison, right? then poison should be given, if it even helps. This is now true compassion. Can you see it? But even a delicacy will not help then it should not be given. But even if, but even if, no, but if even a delicacy will not help, it should not be given. Can you see any instance where giving a poison would be of, of benefit? Could you, could you tell us? Pardon? Could you tell us? Digitalis, yes. Something to purgate the system and vomit? Yes? A poison? but given in, under the right circumstances in the right way, could actually uh, heal a being or free a being. Yes. Let's see what the interpretation is here. Yeah, it's beautiful. I like this too. It's from the Ratnavali or the Rinchen Primba in, in uh, Tibetan. Lovely. Ratnavali. Uh, the, it's very precious. To whom poison becomes useful, to him even this must be given. This is, this is now insight into what's actually compassionate. To whom dainty food is of no use, to him this must be withheld. Dainty, and this is precious, eh? Dainty, dainty, precious, valuable food. To him this must be withheld, just as it is expedient to cut off a finger when it has been bitten by a viper. So also Shakyamuni said that to whom it, it, it is of use, even something unpleasant has to be done. So you, you know this, yes? If you, if you get bitten by a, a viper, or a, if you're in Australia, a taipan, it might be the most compassionate thing to do to lop off the hand. It saves a life. And you've only got maybe 30 seconds. Would that be compassionate or not compassionate? Would it be gener an act of generosity or an act of brutalism? A br brutality? Generosity. Mm -hmm. 
If a being is, now let's take this further, because these are metaphors as well. If a being is full of poison, poisonous thoughts, harmful to them, harmful to others, destructive, and they don't know it, or they do know it, is it generosity to cut it off, or generosity to let it flow? Cut it off, if you can. Would others be mad at you, including the person? Yes. See? Now we, now we get into uh, higher orders of compassion. But one does not do so on a mere request. So be careful about whims and little requests. It must be important. It must be must know when it's important. A bodhisattva does not make gifts of poison, fire or weapons, and so forth when asked, because these things harm both receiver and others. When asked, he does not give slings and arrows and other weapons. In short, anything that serves to harm or bring misery to others. Obviously, a lot of that was going on. It does happen today, too. Yes? Here, have a gun. Won't train you, but here, have this. Well, was it compassionate to give the four-cup Brica espresso machine without a training uh, session when we heard it was going ready to go off like a bomb? Well, that doesn't normally happen, but we, we heard. We heard rumors about that. Yeah. Well, how about giving someone a chainsaw and not, uh, tell, not showing them, making sure they know how to use it? Or maybe dynamite. They have to go, they need to blow up a ditch. The only way they can dig a ditch out of, you know, for irrigation is with dynamite. And you don't, you just don't even question it at all. But here, have some dynamite. Does that make sense? But you can see it happening. Easily see it happening. Or here's a boat. How about a boat? I'll lend you my boat so you can go across to Salt Spring Island. But you don't make sure that they know actually how to... Uh, run a boat or skipper boat. We can go on, eh? How to use something. Or... It doesn't even have to be a weapon. Nor does he give away or pawn. Now, this, 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 this time, this is 11th century Tibet. Yes? Nor does he give away or pawn his father, mother, children, wife, or other members of his family without their willing consent. You laugh, but what was happening, and still was happening not long ago. It's still, I, I've heard the stories even today of, uh, of fathers just to gi giving away their children. Still happening today. Just giving away. Even in Tibet, it happens. So they can be a serf, or they can uh, be, a, be a, basically a, uh, a slave-like person to some household. Yep, 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 selling. It happens a lot. It does, yes. You can see how slippery the slope is to society, but when it's monetary, who really cares? And uh, once I sell it, I don't have to have responsibility for it. Or once I invent it, I don't need any responsibility. It's in someone else's hands. 
It's a very slippery slope in a society uh, based on money, based on mon monetary advantage, especially, where you don't, it doesn't matter now. The product's out there, but it doesn't matter what it's used for. I've given my life to make this product, so on and so forth. This is, by the way, a, a common excuse that's used by arms industry. Common. We just make them. Doesn't mean they're intended for murder. What is a small arms useful, useful for but killing other human beings or animals? What's, what, what, what is it used for? No, we just make them. We just make them, but, but it's up to the people who buy them to. But what else, could, what else would they be used for? So, do not pawn your father, mother, children, wife, or other members of your family without their willing consent. Uh, as long as he is wealthy, he does not give trifles or things that have to be saved up. And there's another statement about that. I heard it says just uh, this this evening your children, wife, and so forth should not be given without their consent. That means they're just given. Here, have have my child. Oh, my wife? Yeah, she's available. Good, goodbye. You should not give a. This is very liberal. So imagine how advanced this is to hear this when you when you say to people in a town uh, when you're re, when they're teaching from this. By the way, it's unethical to give your children your wife, your father, and your mother away. Really? Yeah, that's not ethical. Would you stop doing it? Why? Okay. You should not give a small quantity while you have great wealth. You should not accumulate wealth for giving. This is different. I like this, uh, this translation. You should not accumulate wealth for the purpose. What it means is improper giving, improper motivation. I can, I can get lots of wealth, right? And then I'll be seen to be giving. No. Still a downfall. Impure recipient. This is very important. This gets, this gets uh, lost in many times. Impure recipient. To avoid impure recipients, do not give your body or pieces of your body to the Mara Kula Devata demons because they ask for, for this with harmful motivation. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you thought about doing that? Hmm? I don't even know what that is. Well, you, you give your body your piece of it because these, uh, these demons are asking for your body. They want your body parts. Well, there are actually, you're, you're laughing at this, but there are places in the world, right? How much for a liver? How much for a kidney? To be sold somewhere where there's wealthy people. An eyeball, maybe? A, uh, oh, your, not your heart. <laughs> That's kind of like, well, maybe, for a price. You should not give your body to beings who are influenced by the maras, by the afflictive emotions, insane, or who have disturbed minds because they don't need it and don't have freedom of thought. Also, a bodhisattva should not give food or drink to those who are gluttons. Now, remember the old phrase? 
don't toss a pearl or don't toss pearls before swine. They can't, they're not going to appreciate it. So, giving one's body, how, what other ways are there? You're thinking, okay, I'm not going to cut up, I'm not going to let these demons cut up my body for their demonic purposes. But what demonic purposes could you see in our society today that are demon-driven, demon where one gives up body or body parts? Prostitution. Hmm? Prostitution. Prostitution. Yeah. Prostitution, big one. Because you're giving your body to defiled minds, beings with afflictive emotions, based on lust, uh, based on um, delusion. Hmm? Unwholesome. Would you give your body in service of a beautiful compassion to, to awake for both? You might, yes? For sure. What else about today's society? Yes, that's a very good one. But, but, but today's society. Giving your body up in a factory where you're being poisoned. Giving up your body for another being and uh, it's debilitating and you become crippled or you get emphysema, or cancer, or some you know, crippling illness, or, or affects your family, these sort of things. Or you, 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 you lose the use of your hands because uh, you're using your hands in a proper way, but you have to do it for, for food or whatever. Yes? And you're, you're being generous to your family, but you're actually losing your, your body. You're, these, are mar these are demons. It's a de demonic. But it's done, yes? Steroid use? Steroid use, yes. Steroid use. You read the human fashion industry where you botoxed and fucked up and rearranged. And who are you doing it for? Are you maybe doing it for your husband? Doing it for their fa your family? Uh, not, not even just you, right? But you're being generous for your husband. You're being generous for the family. You're, uh, it's to, uh, as I've heard, to get a better paid job to keep your job, to get an executive position because you look the part. What kind of demons? You know what you were saying? What You can't even imagine? Mm -hmm. These are called Mara, Mara Kula Dewata demons. They're light, they're light beings, but they're afflictive, full of afflictive emotions. All over the world, this is happening. All over the world. Pervasive. Farms, labor practices—you name it, right—and and, and uh, giving up their their bodies. Also, bodhisattvas should not give food or drink to those who are gluttons. Don't give food or drink to those beings that that are misusing it. They're so full of afflictive emotions. Why give it? Mm. Mm. Can you apply that to other things? Take, take a look. Apply that to other things. Giving to those who actually are in bad states. You may or may not. If you give to people in bad states, you may uplift them. If you give, them, uh, give to people in bad states, they can also easily throw it away, misuse it, redirect it back at you, and all kinds of other afflictive states. So you need some intelligence here in giving. The impure method... To avoid impure methods, you should not give with unhappiness, anger, or disturbed mind. You should not give with disdain or disrespect, 
for an inferior person. You should not give while threatening or scolding beggars. So watch your states. If you're giving and you're giving because you have to, you're not giving. If you're giving because you're in a state of um, frustration, uh, anger, unhappiness, disturbed mind, it, it, it ruins it, right? So it's, it's, an, it's considered an impure method. So if it's not free, it's not really giving? If it's not free of all these? That's right. And... It's tainted. Now, one taint might be a little better than another taint. Well, the being, now, this, is, this comes down to skill and means. The being is asked to give, but they're frustrated. But in the giving, if the environment is right, they discover their state and it goes. So that would be okay. Put the seed there. So sometimes it's actually necessary to help people, even if they're frustrated and they're in a bad state, to actually give. Because, because they then will maybe realize that they're in a bad state. It's nothing to do with the giving. They're in a bad state. But as a practice to give in a bad state, in an, in an unwholesome state of mind is considered not virtuous giving. In other words, it doesn't build merit. It just doesn't build merit. So you go, okay, well, I gave. Can you show me the merit? The intent's wrong, so it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't build anything if your intent is wrong. So, so it, let's say you're working in a, someone's garden or you're working on Crystal Mountain, and the entire, like it's a work weekend on Crystal Mountain, a Dharma Center, the entire weekend you're going, why am I here? I could be out on the beach relaxing. I could be with my family. I could be having hot dogs down in, uh, in Sturdy's Bay. I could be uh, at the at the Galliano Inn having a spa, but here I am sweating and I'm shoveling, I'm tired and the bugs and I'm irritable and and there's no blueberry, you know, blackberries and and so on, yeah, for a weekend. Is no merit. There's no gen- there was never any generosity. It was not, no matter what the action was, it simply wasn't generous. Why? Because it's the motivation, it's the intent mind behind it. That's that's what it is. Someone could come to the property for 20 minutes, stand on the property, say hello to everybody in a beautiful way, and drop off a single chicken sandwich with mayonnaise, tomatoes, and capers. One single sandwich for the whole work group. And that would be a greater act of generosity than the entire, uh, the individuals working for an entire weekend grumbling inside. Make sense? Why? Because they were in a state of loving kindness. That was generous. Way more powerful. Way more powerful. I think that's just about plenty. Yeah, let's leave pure giving for the next day. Beautiful. It goes all the way right through to the contemplation of generosity of the nature of emptiness. Beautiful. This is just progressive. These minds are incredible. You know, who does this sort of thing? I mean, in a a beautiful way. I I mean, out of respect. Great honor and great respect. There are beings that have contemplate this and develop this into a science of how to be a master giver 
And then, eventually, a master enlightened giver who's giving what? No gift. You see what's the highest? You don't give a gift. You give emptiness. Because you, well, you can't give emptiness. But you can actually transmit emptiness. You can point to it. But you give, and there's no, eventually, you teach there's no giver, there's no receiver, and there was never a gift at all. Let it go. This is, this is beautiful. Beautiful, progressive, progressive steps to come to the uh, developed foundation so you can actually see that the entire act of giving and receiving is the nature of emptiness itself. And if it's at a transcendental level, what are you giving? You're giving Buddha nature. You're giving uh, the act, you're giving the act of, of supreme generosity. That's why I say someone can come up to Crystal Mountain property for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and uh, maybe not even give a chicken sandwich with capers and mayonnaise, but just stand there and smile and leave. Hmm? And uh, you know what I once saw, Shalane? All these people working on the pagoda at the Dharma Center. Okay, I came for a weekend. All these people working and, you know, hard work and putting stuff in and building. You don't want to know what Utila Wantasayaro did in the middle of the day. All these people working. What did he do? He lay down on the grass beside the pagoda and went to sleep. Curled up on the grass and went to sleep for about an hour and a half. When he got up, he smiled. Oh, that was very generous. Yes, it was. It was beautifully generous. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the fact of just having that beautiful mind at rest. Yes? Well, people were actually moving dirt and shoveling, and we were filling the, uh, the, the reliquary area uh, with um, all kinds of beautiful statues and things and putting that in. Beautifully asleep, just resting and sleeping, just like this. And they're lying around. And fantastic. A lazy bum. <laughs> a lazy bum doing nothing. I thought, this is beautiful. He's not lifting a finger. Right? But he's lifting everybody's mind. Mm. Utterly peaceful. Utterly, utterly peaceful. Tranquil. Just resting. Sleeping. Good. And then we begin uh, next class on pure giving, which will be you know, I think it's time. I think it's time for a a a day. Of uh, you may have. Do you do you have some laundry you need to do? <laughs> do you have things like that that you need to? Maybe some contemplation, some meditation. I think it'd be a lovely day to have a day of, uh, of uh, no classes. Well, yes. How's that? And do you have enough that you to work on? Do you? Why don't you spend the enti- please spend the entire day, whether you call it meditation or not, uh, really uh, upping the ante on the, on contemplating and acting with generosity. I really mean it. It's beautiful. Really look through the notes there and look at that, that that first section. And go. Uh, can I refine the quality of generosity out of my being until it's just. Uh, um, a quality that is uh, glory, hmm? free of taints, free of taints.
recommend it. Catch times when you do things and go, uh, want acknowledgement, want to be recognized. Yes, these things. By the way, there are times when it's important to be recognized. It's important that the giving is seen to be giving, to encourage others to give. So there's, there's, there, there are, there's, be careful of making any rules about this. The most important thing is it's out of, out of compassion. There are times it's important to actually acknowledge somebody or you say, I gave $1,000. What about others? So there's, there's, there's ways of being generous that can actually gather generosity. Yeah? So all kinds of compassionate things. So you see in that, that's a beautiful section there. <clears throat> it's a lovely section. Uh, maybe read that over quite a few times from the Ratnavali. To whom poison becomes useful, to him even this must be given. To whom dainty food is of no use, to him this must be withheld. Just as it is expedient to cut off a finger when it has been bitten by a viper, so also Shakyamuni said that to whom it is of use, even something unpleasant has to be done. But one does not do so on a mere request, on a mere whim. A bodhisattva does not make gifts of poison, fire, weapons, and so forth. In other words, what is it that's being given? Beautiful. And how compassionate is the gift, or is it a whim? How wise is the giving? So Namjur Rinpoche gave a beautiful teaching on this once, I, I never forgot, is on compassion and giving, is one, I remember this, uh, one only knows the scope of its benefits by the results. You need to be able to view the results and go and learn from those results and go, these are good results. It has resulted in unfolding. And guess what? You may not be able to pat yourself on the back ever. You have no idea how complex cause and effect is. And number two, what you helped instigate may take five or ten or twenty or thirty years to ripen. So, but one must become a skillful, you know, skillful, intelligent, and discerning by seeing how one gives and how it affects others, and whether it actually is truly pure, not just pure, but effective, compassionate, and uplifting and awakening. How do you know? You have to put it to the test. You have to see. So be careful you're not always, uh, as I know some people do, I'm not looking at anybody here. No. Uh. Uh, uh, putting pearls before swine. Little, little acts that are nebulous. You know? Little acts that are worthless. But, but do, do things that are um, giving, generally giving. Do you say that the mandala offering is encompasses the whole matrix? Uh, yes, in theory. In theory. Mm. I wish it did. It does. In theory. Yeah. It's such a high holy practice, such an extraordinary spiritual practice. In theory, yes, it's got everything in it. It's got everything in it. 
but one has to one has to be able to see that, and one has to have the teaching and the instructions to be able to uh, um, at the right time to be able to really catch it. Otherwise, it's a ritual act because you're you're giving mentally a lot a lot of mental 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 things. But but liberating extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary can be an extraordinary practice, but someone may have to do it many times. Mm-hmm. Depends on where what the degree of experience of shunyata is at the time of doing it. Because it's an insight practice. It's both a profound way of generating merit and it's a profound way of gaining insight. But unless you really have the instructions given by someone that knows, it's uh, well, it's still a good practice. But it lacks of, lacks of. See, you want the mandal offering to go way beyond a being sitting there 100, 111,000 times, sitting like this. It's a, it's a rigorous practice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing it, for instance, two and a half months or two months, it's a rigorous practice. And you're, you know, the short form, you know, Sachi, Purusha, Chusong, Vito, Kram, and you're building up a mandala uh, of all the greatest gifts in the, in the universe. This is very, very good. But you see, it's really worthwhile uh, being in an environment where uh, that ability to, to give, um, how should you say, is tested? Is, how, how do I put this? It is the mandala offering is then brought into life. It's, it's tested in the moments of life to, to see if there's clinging, to see if it's really about offering the nature of supreme offering of emptiness, uh, and whether uh, the mind is just uh, co- corrupted with resentment and uh, unpleasantness and so on. It's, it's a great practice, very high, 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 high practice. But I believe about the Mandal offering is do it, but to do it when one's around one's uh, teacher and you receive teachings on it, and you're in an environment that's more than just sitting there all day. So you can actually um, offer uh, more than just uh, rice. It's more than just rice on a a mirror. So it's great practice, great practice, great practice. You see, eventually you see, you see, you see, eventually you see that that, uh, your acts should be supporting a mandala of awakeness, the mandala offering. The, it should be supporting that. And mandala of awakeness for the fulfillment of realization of emptiness. So not just that act, but every single act becomes a mandala offering to the, uh, the sources of refuge. That's where it gets missed. So you sit down, there's a picture of the refuge tree, uh, the guru's in the center, and you offer it up to the source of refuge. And then when you get up, you kick the cat. No, it's a joke. But you can't, you know, you know. So it's disconnected. It must be, it must be something that you, you begin to see globally, that, that everything gets used as an act. Everything's offered. Your, everything's offered from your being as... Uh, an offering to the uh, the three jewels, and emptying out, and and refund, ref, refilling back in, it's profound, it's profound. 
as an act of generosity, as an act of ethics, because you've got to keep your mind clean. Yes? I don't want to give another grain of rice. Don't offer it until, it, until it's clean. You know what I mean? Because you're offering it up to the, the, the sources of refuge. It's a fantastic practice. It just absolutely demands you get it together and you cut through. It's beautiful. And then every time you empty out all the, ri- the, the rice, there's more. And you empty it out, and there's more. And you empty it out, and there's more. So it's a fantastic insight practice. Transi- transience, dukkha, for sure, and uh, anatta. Fantastic. Beautiful practice. Some people may need to do it three, four times in their life. Fantastic practice. Yeah, so in theory, in theory. See you Sunday morning? Yeah, very good. good. So I got enough ahead in that text. To, okay. I have to get ahead, a little ahead. Of, uh, little, there's little, need these little pieces. Five, this powerful activity. This punyakama may it lead to cessation of suffering for all beings. He doesn't say punyakama, asuakiwango, do. Idante punyakamang asuakiwang o tu. Idante punyakamang asuakiwang o tu. May all beings be healthy and happy. That is so that they can practice Dharma and they're in good states to practice Dharma and they're in good states to be compassionate for all beings. And may all beings uh, enter into the uh, continuum of freedom, unbroken day and night, and emerging into full Buddhahood the union of wisdom and compassion for all beings.